this thing that you just did, that's actually the work. I'm glad that you helped me find your students, but what we do after we find them, when we connect with them and we solve the problems, if we do all this stuff, you've just dismissed as a little, you know, whatever that thing is. Um, and it doesn't honor the, the idea that data is about helping us do the work, right? Instead of the focus of it being that that actually is what we should be doing. You might recognize that we are not in our normal place. Um, hi, I'm Rachel Phillips Buck, VP for Student Success for Ferris Resources. I'm Matt Boisvert, President of Ferris Resources. And you've joined us for Capping Down today. We are so excited and happy to be on the road again. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, those of you who joined us, I think it was just last week, will remember that we said we were taking a trip to Georgia, and then Kirk, who um, works at Emanuel College, was like, hey, I can't believe you guys aren't coming to see us, and we are like, we will. So, <laughs> <laughs> he and April really graciously um, set us up in this um, amazing suite that they use for their basketball games. Um, they've been really hospitable hosts to us. And so we are so happy to be on a campus in Georgia where it's beautiful and spring is here. So it's been a long time. Yes, so it's been a very, very great. long time. So we are in Franklin Springs, Georgia at Emanuel College. Uh, we love Emanuel. It's so good to be on their campus. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Today we're talking about six thinking, six thinking hats. hats. Um, normally Anthony would join us, but he had something come up, so he's not going to be able to join us today. Um, so there's a couple of things that we normally do, which I'm not, I'm saving my 20 questions. I don't get 19 ask, I'm not going to ask you 19 questions because I am running out of them. And so I need to reserve them, uh, for when Anthony is going to join us, but a couple of things. So we had, um, a really great time traveling. Although it's been super, super busy because Matt and I were saying we've totally forgotten everything. Like I was like, do we bring headphones? Do we not bring headphones? Not like, really sure what to pack. Yeah. Um, so we have some traveling adventures that we would like to, to tell you about. First of all, housekeeping though, please follow us on LinkedIn. Um, we give a lot of information on LinkedIn, um, not only about our topics and our guests that we're gonna have, but also just exciting things that are happening in our community. Also, if you have joined us through Zoom, make sure that you go to our YouTube channel and subscribe because that means that you'll have access to all of our past webinars and our great conversations. If you've joined us on YouTube and you want to participate in our polls, especially today, we have a lot of polls around this topic. So if you'd like to do that, um, we'd love for you to register on Zoom so that you can join us and you can participate in that. And then um, Anchor is where all of our podcasts are. So you can listen to them whenever you want to. And then of course our website is a great um, place for information. So lots of ways to keep connected to us um, as we continue um, capping down and doing yeah. our, yeah, our podcast capping down. So I want to start off, Rachel, this is the other day we were driving oh and, and, and we noticed uh, this car. First we noticed the car and we were like, this is a crazy Not really car. sure what what where they're going to start and then we saw well they are complete car service so i feel like a lot of our schools have kind of uh you know had to deal with, with this this year with a lot of brokenness <laughs> with covid and the responsibility of being a complete university but when you see this i, I really don't know where they're going to start yeah i don't i'm not sure actually um for those of you joining us on podcast it's just think of the most broken down like unbelievably broken down, like no windows, steering wheels in the back, like broken car, okay? Yeah. Um, um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about was we had um, a great flight yesterday, but we have been super, super busy. And so we calculated that over the last, let's see, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, over the last four meals, Matt and I have spent an average of like 13 minutes eating. Right. Cause we've just scarfed down. We've had to go <laughs> like run to the airport, late connection, all of that kind of stuff. So 
sometimes travel isn't as glamorous Not, as you know think. i've longed for travel i really have and then now that we're here i'm like oh right but there's also some things about it that but we heard that the airline wasn't letting you eat on the plane yeah and so yeah that really okay. okay um do you have any state of the union things that you want to talk about i have an idea that i want to i want to pitch but i didn't know if you had well i want to go back so we we have um the march madness is over Baylor one, which it's a Texas school, so there's that. Right? Yeah. Gonzaga it is my favorite. I always put them in. They never seem to Can make you it. take this picture of me off the thing? Not showing a picture of me in the mask, but you I'd rather you just look at me in person. Yeah. <laughs> so is that your state of the So there's that. Um I I really, Rachel, I, I was trying to pull it up. I, I think the state of the union right now is that everyone's on the home stretch mm. and thinking about, um, you know, what it looks like as we move towards summer, will we be able to have a real summer? Yeah. Um, that's really the, the key state of the union right now. Okay. Well, I found a um, article the other day that um, I thought was really interesting and it was about fresh start. So this idea of fresh start, which I love, I think it really resonates with academics. Um, the, it's actually called like the fresh start effect. And they did all of these experiments with um, using dates to help us feel like we have a clean slate and we're starting over. So um, they did this experiment where they were like, hey, it's uh, time for you to start thinking about saving for retirement. Maybe you could do that in three months, let's say. And then they sent the same email with a little bit different wording to somebody and said, instead of three months, they said, on your birthday, that would be a great time for you to start saving for retirement. And overwhelmingly, the people who got the email where they listed their specific date um, started saving. And so they were just talking about how important it is to have this date where we can say, whatever mistakes I made before, whatever I did wrong or whatever that was, that's like the old me and I'm totally new. I'm like a new age or it's a new year or um, some other like really important date that then allows you to become this new self and sort of attribute all of your other mistakes to the older you and like you're not that person anymore. And I just was thinking as we are um, imagining what is going to be happening over the rest of the semester and then into the fall, using that idea of a fresh start effect, which we do all the time with semesters. It's why some schools have shorter classes because you're able to always have that fresh start. Um, it would be a really powerful thing for us to build into um, our initiatives and our interventions that we're doing with students because there is something psychologically about saying, hey, we're gonna start again. Um, that was your old self and you don't have to think about that or be responsible for that. You get to just be whoever you want to be. So I really love that idea. And I would challenge you guys um, as you are um, building those initiatives to think about that as well. Rachel. Yes. Anthony has joined us. Oh, where is he? I'm right here. Hey, friends. How are you? Good. I, um, I, 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 my worst nightmare came true. I, um, I mixed up the date, so I'm sorry I'm jumping in late. <laughs> no problem at all. You're just in time for 19 questions. Oh, then I'm listening. All right. I lost them. Hold on one second. I got to find them again. Um, I really did lose them. Okay. I have them over here. <laughs> We're a little wheels off today. We're not used to traveling, so. Um, okay, are you ready, Anthony? I am born ready. Okay, what is your favorite smell? Coconut. Oh, okay. What is the most essential part of a friendship? Trust. What is the most recent thing you've done for the first time? Go through a pandemic. Yeah. That's kind of a big one. <laughs> um, what wrong assumptions do people make about you? That I mean. Yeah. Um, what do you do to unwind? Um, play poker. You know the answer to that. <laughs> what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Shirley Temple. <laughs> 
you and my daughter have that in common. That's her favorite. <laughs> Listen, I was at I was at a poker table a couple of weeks ago. At, I think where was I? I was in Vegas or something uh, uh, doing a meeting, and I, I got into a tournament. And the guy orders a Shirley orders two Shirley Temples, and I'm like, no, not allowed. Not allowed. You're playing poker. <laughs> you're not allowed to drink Shirley Temple. I literally texted my daughter. I took a picture of it, said to my daughter, I go, this should be illegal. <laughs> that might be how you win, right? When everybody else is having something else. You, uh, that's, that's true. That's funny. Okay. Your house catches fire and everything that you love, like all your pets and all your family get out. But, and you have time to save one thing. What do you say? Pictures. Uh, pictures any picture i can get my hands on uh specifically the ones of my kids and uh definitely the pictures of my father who i only have a few of yeah that's a great one okay uh, do you prefer driving or flying um flying okay how long have you been married 28 years congratulations that is a long time um, is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? You know what? In the last couple of years with all the shows I've done, I've, I've checked off my bucket list in a big way. But I'd say have sushi at the best sushi restaurant in Tokyo. Ooh, that would be good. Um, okay. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be? Don't say the ability to win it. Uh, the ability, the ability to take away suffering. That's a good one. Okay, how old were you when you decided to shave your head? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I was probably it started in stages, but I say the first time I was about thirty-four, and it started with you know like a crew cut. Somebody told me, if you're ever going to shave your head, go on vacation and get a very dark tan and start doing it. So I did. I went on vacation. I got a dark tan and I started shaving my head a little by little. But I'd say bald, bald. I'd say 40. Okay. Um, for what in your life do you feel most grateful? For what in my life am I most grateful? Yeah. You and Matt. Oh, I knew you were going to say that, Anthony. <laughs> when is the last time that you sang to yourself or someone else? When was the last time I did what? Sang. I don't sing. I don't sing to myself. Um, unless you want to hear the Sugar, Land, the Sugar Hill Gang hip hop, hip hop, you'll stop rock to the bang bang boogie. Uh, I know that song. That's the only song I sing. And I sing, and I sing Jingle Bells. Like for some reason, all of a sudden, like June comes, I start singing Jingle Bells. I don't know why. Well, the first one's from a, weren't you in a play? Was I in a play? Yes. Yeah. I was thinking the, the doo-wop came from a, a play you were in in That's elementary funny. school. No, I, I, the only thing I did in um, the play was saying, we don't sing. That's the, that was my only line. That's it. Okay, last one. Given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want as a dinner guest? My father. Okay. Because he passed away when I was two. That's a good no. answer. All right. Thank you for playing 19 questions. <laughs> no, thank you for tolerating <laughs> my tardiness. Absolutely. Well, I was saying, so Matt's joining us today, and we're going to talk about this idea. It's called the Six Thinking Hats. Um, and so I have been spending a lot of time trying to figure out how we can be more efficient, um, how we can, uh, address problems better. You know, you and I talked about upstream thinking, which I think is a great place to start. Hey, which I think is, hey, do you I notice? Can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't look. I have to, I'm driving, so I can't look. That's okay, but I'm just, I have this beautiful backdrop of the basketball court behind me. I'm very happy that I get to be <laughs> Now, can, can you see me or are you seeing something else? No, you I, see me? I see you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I can uh, see you. 
Okay, so I've been thinking a lot about this and I just um, came back across this book. It's called The Six Thinking Hats. It's considered to be really revolutionary um, in terms of how it's helping you order your thinking. So making better decisions, being more efficient, getting people around the same page and this thinking in the same direction is what he talks about. And so um, this author is considered to be the kind of father of the idea that your thinking can be improved. And so this is a way that he's helping people improve their thinking. I use this when I talk to students about their major. So that's where I first came um, across it. But when we are thinking about in higher education, especially um, committees or groups of people who are trying to solve problems, I find that this framework is really, really useful. So I wanna put it up. There's six hats. I'm gonna give you a summary and then we're gonna spend some time on each of these hats. So, um, whoa. Oh. So the white hat is about facts and figures. The red hat is about feelings. The black hat is about being careful and cautious. The yellow hat is optimistic. The green hat is about creativity and new ideas. And then the blue hat is basically the organizing hat. And it's the one that says, hey, this is what we're going to do now. This is the direction that we're going to go. So let me make my case for why I think this is such a powerful tool. And then we'll dive into each of these different pieces. Um, so first of all, I know, Anthony, in Hotel Impossible, this happens all the time, and I know that it happens in your business as well. And that is that um, sometimes people make a name for themselves or feel like their presence in the room is just about being able to be the best critical thinker there is. So any idea that you have, anything that you're thinking about doing, any anything that you're discussing, their winning in the room is telling you all the reasons why that is never going to work. And it's a stupid idea. And you probably shouldn't do that. thing. You know, people like that. Um, yes, I was one of those people a long time ago. <laughs> right. So what I like about this thinking hat is that it's actually getting everybody's experience and intelligence to be used in all of the directions that you need to solve a problem. So it's not about saying, um, okay, your job is to be critical and your job is to be optimistic. And then we're going to pit those against each other and whoever makes the best argument is going to win. It's actually trying to tame the confusion that comes. That's um, like the enemy of good thinking. So we're basically trying to do too many things at once. Here's what the book says. We're looking for information. We're affected by how we feel about a thing. We want new options, but we also have to be cautious. We have to think about the benefits. And there's a lot of things that have to be done when we're thinking and we get super confused when we don't have the discipline to approach each one of those things individually and then look at that as a whole. So I really love this idea. Okay, of, cool. Yeah. Of and I'm, go I'm, I'm going through um, a, a space that's probably about two minutes that you're going to go in and out. So if I can't hear you, I apologize. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So let's start with the white hat. The white hat is all about facts and figures. So um, the way that you would use these hats is you would say you would have a room full of people and you'd be like, okay, everybody, we are going to put on the white hat. We're trying to solve a problem. And I need to know the facts and the figures about what this problem is. So what information do we have? What information do we need? What questions do we have? Matt and I were practicing this with um, a process that's going on in a lot of our campuses, which is enrolling uh, under-enrolled or not enrolled students. And so like Matt, you were saying some of the questions that you might bring to the table as we're thinking about this white hat would be things like. Well, first of all, how many students have not yet registered for class? So right. how, how many students are we talking about out of our, not just freshmen, but sophomores and juniors, seniors who have not yet graduated? So why aren't they registered? Right. Do they have holds on their account? Is there a financial reason why they haven't registered or are, have they requested a transcript? And so they're not, uh, they're actually planning on going somewhere else. So the idea here is just that we're going to lay out everything that we know and we're going to figure out the things that we don't know. We actually don't know if these students are not planning to come back. So we've got to go figure out how we're going to get that information. And this is the place where in academics, and I think this is true um, in the hospitality business also, that people love, some people love to live in data 
they like noisy data. The more data, the better. We can never have enough data. We can never know enough to make a decision. We just want to have these kind of committees that sit around and talk about all of the data that we don't have so we can't actually have an action plan. Um, and that makes me crazy. Yeah, our, our, that's usually our accountants, especially in the hotel business. Yeah. yeah. They don't even leave their but also revenue managers as well. And um, a lot of general managers, there's a lot of general managers that sit in their office and try to run their department or run their hotel by spreadsheets. It right. doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. And so like you were talking about this idea of that as a tool, Matt, right? Yeah, it has to be actionable, not just information to have information, but something that we can actually use. And the problem in higher ed is we, we all know you have a lot of people on campus who love data. They've gone through, you know, their doctoral work. They've, they've dove into, into deep research. So they love that. You have a director of institutional research who loves data and wants to have as much understanding of everything as, as they possibly can. Um, and so there, there are, there tend to be people on a campus who, who just love having more and more information. And it has to stop when it's no longer actionable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love that as a tool, but we always say that's not the work, that's the tool. Uh, conversely though, you do have to have data to be able to make decisions. So we do have to have an idea of like, what are the facts of the thing and where are we and, and kind of where do we stand in the world, right? Um, so- As long as you're not using it as a crutch. A lot of people use data as a crutch uh, to, to not do their job. Yeah. So they use it and they just keep spouting out numbers and percentages. And, but, um, and they don't have plans. Like people that use data to, I say most effective people that use data, use it to implement and to, to, to go. Like, right. you know, I, I use a lot of data myself, but I look at it. Like when I run hotels, I look at it in the morning and I go do what the data tells me to do. And then I look at it again tomorrow but, you know, after 10 minutes of looking at data, you should be able to implement what you're looking at. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's and, right. The, and the emphasis there is on the action um, with this tool of being able to understand kind of where you are. So I think a lot of times, um, I, I've told this story before, but I was talking to somebody who really loved data a lot. And they were always telling me like how they were getting more and more and more and more. And it was getting more complicated. And like all sorts of stuff about data. And I was like, okay, well, once you find the students, like once you identify them, you find the most at-risk students, then what are you telling schools to do with them? And he's like, well, then you just, and then he finger wiggled, this is what he did. Then you just, <laughs> and I was like, okay, but you understand that, that this thing that you just did, that's actually the work. I'm glad that you helped me find the students, but what we do after we find them when we connect with them and we solve the problems and we do all this stuff, you've just dismissed as a little, you know, whatever that thing is. Um, and it doesn't honor the, the idea that data is about helping us do the work, right? Instead of the focus of it being that that actually is what we should be doing. So, okay, so you would say to your room, um, okay, everybody, we're all going to put on our white hats and we're going to talk about what data do we actually need? How are we going to collect data we don't have? Um, here are the facts about it. The best way to think about it is just like it's a computer printout and we're not talking about feelings. And we're not talking about ideas or how we're going to solve the problem. Everybody in the room, instead of showing how smart they are by being the most critical thinker, they are going to show how smart they are by showing how flexible they are and how disciplined they can be in actually executing um, whatever hat we're all wearing at the same time. Okay, so white hat is first. Next is the red hat. Red hat is about feelings. Um, and so the idea with the red hat is basically that you're saying, hey, Matt, how do you feel about this? I don't, you don't have to justify, you don't have to tell me anything about it other than how do you feel about it? I love it, I hate it, I'm totally overwhelmed by it. I don't think that's gonna make a difference. I think it's a stupid idea, right? You don't have to justify, you're just gonna give this gut feeling um, of when I talk about this process or this problem that we're trying to solve now, what is that gut feeling um, to you? And so Anthony, I have a great example of this for you, but I wanna just say what's nice when you're in a room of people and you say, we're all gonna wear the red hat is you first of all make 
a background healing visible. So Matt and I were talking today about when he first came to me at the very, probably this time last year, the very beginning of the pandemic. And he was like, Hey, Rachel, I want you to start doing webinars to guide our schools about what they should be doing and how they can be, you know, talking about community in, in the beginning of this pandemic. I want you to, to be a thought leader in that. And I was like, that's a dumb idea. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and we had a really big argument because I was like, I do not feel equipped for that. I don't want to do it. I don't think that's the space we should be in. And if in that early discussion, he had said, Hey, I want you to do this thing. Will you put on your red hat and tell me what you're, what's happening to you? We wouldn't have had an argument because I would have said, I'm afraid it's overwhelming to me. I don't feel equipped. I, I'm really nervous about it. And so then we could have moved forward without him feeling like he was asking me to do something. And why am I being so stuck? And from right? uh, my side, I would have said more about, well, this is what a student experience is. This is what they're feeling. So I would want to be that voice of not just how I feel, but the, the emotion behind the decision yeah. to make those webinars. So I love that. I mean, but the most important thing is uh, Matt lost and you won. No, that's not usually how it goes around here, actually. <laughs> What's that? What's the, that? Whole, the whole reason, Anthony, that we have this partnership with you is because he won that in the end. He was like, Rachel, you do know what you're talking about. You have a lot of stuff to say. Oh, Please. so, th so, this, all right. So, okay. So this, I thought it was something else. Okay. Got it. Oh yeah. So he basically just said, and, and the truth is it came down to, we had a long, long process where we talked about it, but if we, in the very beginning had just, if he had said like, what is your gut response to that? I would have been like, I'm scared and I feel overwhelmed. And then we could have solved that problem. So it's a great example of making those background feelings really visible. And then the other thing, which I think is really funny about the red hat is that, um, he says, just remember, if you have bad feelings about a person on your team, basically they will never, if you dislike someone, they will never say anything smart ever because your brain's <laughs> short circuit. Right. And it's like, I don't like this person and everything he says is stupid and I don't have to give it any credibility. I don't even have to consider it because he's dumb. Therefore everything he's saying is dumb. Right. I think we've all, worked well, I've been in position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've all worked with those. And I've usually been in a position where it's like, Oh, that was smart, but he's stupid. So who cares? Right. Right. Exactly. And so I like, love like you finally it. said something smart, but I discounted. <laughs> but I don't have to exactly. listen to it because I don't like it. So I love the idea that if you work on a team with somebody where you're maybe, maybe you are mistrustful or you, you don't like somebody and they come to you and they're like, Hey, so I have this idea. You're allowed to say, you don't have to justify it. And you're not giving reasons, but you're allowed to just say like, I hate that idea. Okay, that's how you feel about it. And that's the thing we have to take into account because if we don't, we're not gonna then get to the place where we can solve it. So if my enemy comes to me with a great idea and he's like, how do you feel about it? Not what do you think about it? But how do you feel about it? I'm allowed to say, I hate that. In my brain. Right, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. just because I'm it came so from you. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that because how many times you've been in a meeting and it's like, you're figuring out, do they really want my opinion? And I, you know, I'm a pretty aggressive guy. So I'm like, I need to know, do you really want my opinion? Right. I've had that. I've had that. I actually, the, the thing that stands out the most about a, a moment like that where I didn't feel safe, but they said I was safe, was I was doing a young artist competition at the Algonquin Hotel. And I was, um, there were a bunch of uh, theater people that we asked to come and volunteer their time to be judges. And it was a big deal. I mean, a matter of fact, one, the girl who went one went on to become uh uh, a finalist or seven finalists of American Idol. So we really found some great talent. And uh, they asked me, I said, listen, I'm not going to judge this because I've been involved. I, I, you know, I selected the, the contestants. And I said, okay, so it came down to two people. And uh, they went with one person and not the person I thought should have won. And they said, um, so um, Anthony, how you feel about it? I said, it really is not important how I feel about it. I said, no, we want your opinion. <laughs> I was like, I really need to know if you want my opinion. And I was like, and Rex Reed, who was a famous uh, reviewer at the time or years ago. And anyway, he was in the room and I said, um, 
Listen, I'm not giving you my opinion. It's not important. You guys decided. That's why I selected you guys. Thank you very much for your time. So I'm leaving to go make the announcement. And somebody stood in front of the door and says, just give us your opinion. I was like, I think it's terrible. I think it was horrible. I think you made a really, really big mistake. And I think the reason you made the mistake is because one young lady looks a certain way and another young lady looks a certain way. And you're picking her based on her appearance. And I think you're all, I think you made a mistake. And I think you made a really big mistake. They annihilated me. <gasps> annihilated me. How dare you? Who are you? I was like, whoa, whoa. I thought I was in the right in, well, I wasn't wearing the right color hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well that is a great example of not say like so what i like about that anthony is um the uh edward de bono of the, the this book says that it's really important that we allow people to tell the truth and yet about how they feel because so for example um in a business meeting that matt and i are having i am never going to say how i feel about a thing because most of the time, it's like, that's not what we're doing here. We're doing logical thinking, right? And so giving somebody, first of all, the permission, hey, I need to know what your gut response is. And I need to know actually how you feel about this. But then also having a safe enough team to not then be have consequences, like negative consequences, because you told the truth. So absolutely. And I like as a framework to be able to say to everyone in the room. So like in that case, if we're, we're we all agreed to put on red hats and we're going to talk about exactly how we feel, if you don't let me express that the right way, then the team can say, Hey, you jumping on Anthony are out of line here. Yeah. It's time for you to, to move on because you're not helping us be productive. Yeah, for sure. Anthony, I guess I wasn't wearing the right hat. I guess not. <laughs> I mean, those companies, that's why most companies don't succeed is because you're not like, even now, like I'm working on a couple of big projects and I find myself like disagreeing with people. And I'm just like, okay, I asked their opinion, let them talk. When it's my turn, they ask my opinion about how I feel. I'll let them know. But whereas 20 years ago, I was very much, that's a dumb idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that guy yeah. anymore, but it's been, it's been a long, long, long training session with me to, in order for me to get there. Well, Anthony, one thing that you do is, um, on Hotel Impossible, you, this idea of like a background feeling that we have to bring to the front and Matt and I were laughing about it today because you never name the feeling for the person. You're never like, Hey, you seem really sad or Hey, you, you seem really overwhelmed. You, you never do that. You always say, why are you getting emotional right here, right? Which I appreciate because it is putting on the red hat and saying, wait, we got to pause for a minute because there's some feelings going on. And if we don't figure out what they are, we're not going to move forward at all. And then a lot of times the emotion that they give you is maybe not the one that you would have picked, right? They're like, uh, I'm feeling sad because this, and you're like, I had no idea, right? Almost, almost always, almost always when my intuition tells me um, I got to get through the emotion because th th this is not what the subject that they're reacting to. It's something else. So almost always when I say, how are you feeling? It is completely the opposite of what we're talking about. Right. So um, it, they have a different feeling about a, this person based on a different subject that could have happened two years ago. Right. Right. That's now, your point. Like your point is you're dumb. You're still dumb. And you're <laughs> Right. You cannot say a smart thing. We're going to say something that. Well, so just starting off with facts and then moving to emotion as far as the process of that, yeah. that's a really important piece. And I think, Anthony, when you know you, you see on your shows, you come at them with the star report, then you come back and, and you're like, hey, I need to understand what what's happening with this group. Yeah. How what, what are you feeling right here? Yeah, that's right. So I think I would just say as your team, as you're thinking about your teams and you're thinking about how can we address problems and we're thinking for the future. So how are we going to avoid pitfalls in the future? I think you will save yourself a lot of time if you say, okay, everybody put on your red hat. We're just going to go around. There's no justification of feelings. You don't have to explain to us why. If I say my feeling is I don't trust you. It does not matter 
what the justification is, what the reason is, whether it's reasonable, whether there's a good explanation, it does not matter. All you need to know is that I'm walking into this room with the gut feeling of, I do not trust you. And so we have to put that on the table and we have to have a conversation about it. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere, right? And I think what's important, just we could exam- examine that for a second. I feel guilty when I don't trust somebody, meaning yeah. it's like, I don't want to not trust somebody. It's like, I want to trust you, but right. I feel bad about not trusting you. But this is really not my problem. It's your problem, but I'm making it my problem because I'm afraid to tell you that. <laughs> right, right. And if we put it on the table, we can have a conversation about that where I can say, you're kidding. Help me understand why. Or thank you for telling me now everything that you've said to me makes sense. Like I couldn't understand why you were treating me that way and why you didn't like any of my ideas and why you didn't want to be my partner and why you didn't want to whatever. Now all of a sudden I get it. We can like tear it apart and look and see what the actual substance is. But now at least we have a clear path to each other because I understand that this is, you don't. What what color is the vulnerability hat? Because in order to do that, you need to be like all these things we're talking about. People got to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason I like this process is because we are saying, if you are in this room with us, we are all participating in this way. And so it's not just that I'm saying, Hey, Matt, tell me the truth about how you feel about me. And then we're all going to talk about what you said. It's that you are going to say how you feel. And I'm going to say how I feel. And then Anthony's going to say how he feels. And then we all know, and then we move on. So it's not, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be in a position where you point to everyone and you're like, you better tell me how you feel and what you think about it. And then I'm just going to use that. Basically you're creating safe environments. I was just saying, depending on your environment is how you act. I, um, you know, we just came from the Pierre hotel where we did our podcast and I was going downstairs to get something and I had a sweatshirt with a hoodie on. And I was like, I'm at the Pierre. So I put on this, this sweater with a polo. It was a, with my little polo logo. I was like, you know what? I'm in the lobby of the PA. I really shouldn't wear a sweatshirt with a hoodie. <laughs> so, so, so it's really, you have to react to your environment. So if you're, if you're not feeling safe, and you go into that environment and everybody's saying, hey, this is a safe environment, then you're, you're being vulnerable, but it better be a safe environment. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And we see that all the time in Hotel Impossible when you're asking people to tell the truth about their experience, right? And you're saying, I'm trying to help you, but also it's really scary because your boss is not trustworthy yeah. or I don't know what they're going to do. They may fire you, you know? Yeah. And the breakdown and, 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 and trusting me, you know, I always say that my producers are critically important because not only to be talented, but when I get there, like they've already spent the day with my producers or two days and they've signed contracts. And so if they think my producers are full of crap, they're going to think I'm full of crap. And I think that's important too. It's like, it's one thing to have these environment and say you're safe here, but you got to feel safe up and down the whole chain. Yeah, that's exactly right. For sure. Um, okay. The next tap that I want to talk about is the, sorry, let me just go back to that really quickly. So in our not registered, um, scenario, I think what people would say is, um, this idea of I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. I don't know that, that registering our students is going to make a difference. It's a waste of time. I've been working since March. I think most of us, although we love the work, um, the gut response to that, how do you feel about this? is, wow, I'm really tired and I don't know if I can do it. And um, that's not to say I won't do it, but that's to say you should know when you talk about adding one more thing to my plate, my gut feeling is I don't know if I can handle something else. So I think that that's powerful. Okay, I want to move to the black hat because um, I don't want to spend very much time This is your favorite one. This is my least favorite hat. It makes my nose itchy just thinking (laughs) about it. This, Although this really is the hat of caution, Um, it's the key to our Western civilization thinking, which is critical thinking. It's the way a lot of times people win the room, like I said. So you're going to come in and you're going to say, this is an idea. And I'm going to say, here's the seven reasons that's not going to work. And then you're going to be like, okay, well, here's another idea. No, here's all the reasons that's stupid and that's not going to work. And a lot of times that's how we approach our committees and our meetings Um, with this black hat, which the positive side of that is that it's risk assessment. 
that the black hat's job is to say, how can we fail? What can go wrong? What are the problems? What are people going to think about what we're doing? Um, and we're trying to ward off dangers and problems and obstacles instead of kind of sweep them under the rug and be like, hey, everything's going to be fine. And so um, we were talking to go ahead. And if I can interrupt for a second, you, yeah, I never realized until you just said it. I live in a black hat because like right now I'm getting on a meeting after this meeting and the, I was, we were supposed to sign a contract and they said, well, we'll just sign. I go, no, 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 we have to get back on a meeting. We have to have all the people and we all have to speak uh, so you can hear before you sign that. And he goes, well, you spoke for them. I said, no, no, no. We all need to have our voice heard before you sign that contract just to make sure I didn't miss something. Yeah. So I'm Always. As a matter of fact, if I've had any success in my life, especially Hotel Impossible, because I've obsessed and like I've said before, the, the, the show really happened behind the scenes, not in front of the scenes. I was obsessed with my black hat. Are we doing this right? Are we? I'm the guy that goes into a car dealership and I want to buy the BMW and then I want to test drive it and I want to you know, feel the leather and everything. And, and, and I know it's $125,000 and I'm not buying a $125,000 car. I'm buying the $20,000 car, but I just want to make sure that I'm not missing something and that maybe I should empty my daughter's college fund to buy this car, right? So I'm always the guy that is just, I, I am obsessed with double and triple checking, but I do it fast. Yeah. So I'm not that guy that like, like a lot, there's one, there's one company I'm working with is everybody has to have a committee and, and it takes them for what takes me a day, takes right. them a year. Right. But I, in my day, I am doing everything they did in a year, right. but I'm just doing it really, really fast. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I think it may be your least favorite, but I think it's the most important. I well, think, yeah. And I, and I would say, Anthony, the thing is, is that on a college campus, there are a lot of black hats. And like Rachel said, you get rewarded for being a black hat on a campus. I think the difference is there are a lot of people compared to you. There are a lot of people who um, bring a lot of critique to the table, but they don't move to that next step that you always move to. And so they construct it. So, yeah, yeah there's a great um, quote that I wanted to read, which is, remember, it's much easier to be critical than constructive. It's hard to design a chair, but criticizing the chair is easy. If the chair is simple, you criticize it for being old fashioned and boring. If it's elaborate, you criticize it for being vulgar and pretentious. By deliberately choosing a concept that's different than the one presented, it's always possible to criticize right. if you're so inclined. And so right. that's right. Right. But, yeah. Right, and I, guess, and I guess I just wanna make sure I'm being clear is everyone should be critical and everyone should be like cautious but that's just one thing right. in, in a process. Right. It's, if, if I'm excited about something, say, so yeah, we should, like right now, we're looking to buy a hotel and for, for this owner. And it's like, I'm really excited about buying the hotel, but I'm really, really cautious. And they're like, wait, wait, I'm not getting you. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, you said we should buy the hotel. I said, yeah, but now we got to sign the contract. Let's <laughs> ask ourselves 27 questions. Yeah. So, so I think like all the hats, you have to, in my opinion, I could be wrong, I could be misunderstanding, you have to wear all the hats, but none of the hats should ever stop the progress right. Of, right. of your team. It should never, like when you bring up the black hat moment, it should be in a very safe environment saying, hey, I get it. You designed the chair and I don't mean to critique the chair, but do we really, you know, do we really need a chair with five legs? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's exactly not, no. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. That we would sit in a room and we'd be like, okay, guys, we've decided to do this thing, but now is the moment where I need everybody to put on their black hat and tell me all of the ways that this could go wrong. That's what we're doing right now. And we're not going right. to live there forever. And we're not going to say like, okay, so I guess we're not going to do it right now though. All we are doing is identifying ways that it's a risk and that we're going to fail. And then we're going to take that off and we're going to go on to the next step of the process. But putting those things out on the table is just incredibly important and a way for you to know what to address, which I really love. I mean, that's why I have found a lot of my success has been around having black hats on my team because they, they show me things that I wouldn't have thought of. And so now I know, okay, well, this is another, another thing we have to tackle. And I, and I have to take that very seriously. Yeah. Um, but 
being open to hear the crit critique is important. And also for those who tend to be critical, to know like, hey, there's a time for that, yeah. but it's not all the time. And I think where universities get trapped is where they feel like they, they come into their committees and then that's the, the person with live. the black hat brings that out and then they spend all of their time talking about all the problems and never um, talking about solutions. And what's the motivation? And what's the motivation of the criticism? Is right. it to feel better about yourself or is it truly to get the right answer? My biggest fear in life is to get the wrong answer. And I don't care who gives me the right answer. I don't care if I'm wrong. I don't care if I had the stupidest idea in the room. I just don't want to have the wrong answer. And I don't care if somebody else gives it to me. And, and that to me is a fully functioning manager, director, person that you just, you, you want to go through all the process, wear all the hats. But at the end of the day, however we get there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as we get there. That's right. The other thing that I want to point out about a black hat is that if you tend to find that an easier way to think, um, it can feel very dishonoring that when you come to the meeting and you're like, I'm worried that we're going to fail in these ways and these are the risks and this is what I want to talk about. If, if we don't have a process where we're all sitting in that space together, it can feel really dishonoring when... I'm saying, here's what I'm worried about. And everyone's like, yeah, but okay, but whatever. You always think of the next, right? Versus um, Rachel, who tends to be very optimistic and think everything is always going to work out for the good, sitting with me in the critical risk space and saying, I see ways that we might fail and I'm articulating risks that I'm worried about. And that's a place where I'm joining with you in that perspective that comes easier for you. And so you don't have to feel disrespected or dishonored by that perspective. And it will make it easier for then you to join me on the other side, which is the yellow hat, which is the optimistic hat, where we're thinking about how, like, how could this work out really well? And what is the value, the return on investment of this idea? Um, so that, that yellow hat is about ideas and suggestions and proposals and feeling optimistic. If we get this right, Anthony, to your point, we're not gonna live in the risk forever. We're also not gonna live in the like overly idealistic. But if we get this decision right, what is the value that then it creates for us in our lives? Um, which I think is really, really important. Go ahead. Like the political environment we live in, like you can't have an opinion. You can't. You can't like put your black hat on. You yellow hat. You can't. Like you have to say whatever the, everybody in the room saying. So you don't like. There's one politician I know. I can't ever talk about bad or good because I know they're very divisive. There's another politician that happens to be made in New York. We could say anything you want about that guy because everybody doesn't like that guy. But you know, typically, like right now. You know, our political climate and, and really a lot of business is like you can't have an opinion because it's, it is or it isn't. And it's, wow. it's really crippling, not only for our country, but but for any institution. And it's not to say we have to all um, like we can't be flexible in our thinking. Right. So so we talk about in my family, a lot of time we talk about a charitable reading. Like somebody said something really, really stupid that you cannot imagine how that could be a smart thing. Okay, let's just pretend like they're not stupid and give what he said a charitable reading. That is a brain exercise where you're like, okay, well, I mean, I guess this is a way that could make sense or I guess this is what they were thinking. I still think they're dumb, but it is a good exercise in discipline to say, I can think in these different ways. I can think about risk. I can think about optimistic hope. I can think about facts and I can think about feelings. That is a discipline that you can get self-discipline and then also a way for you to lead your teams. And here's what we're all going to be doing right now. So I really like that. The other thing that I love about this yellow hat um, is there's a lot of critique about being too optimistic. And what this author says is, first of all, remember, history is full of impractical visions and dreams, which inspired effort that eventually made those dreams a reality. So I love that. When I read that to Matt, he was like, yeah, that's like the Wright brothers, right? They were like, hey, we think people can fly. And everyone's like, that's stupid. And they're like, no, it's not stupid. And here's the value it's going to bring to people. 
But what I love is that he says, the way you know if you're being overly optimistic or if you're being reasonably optimistic is you look at the action that follows your optimism. And if the action that follows your your optimism is hope, you're being overly optimistic because you have no control. I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket and I hope um, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to win the lottery. That is not realistic at all. Um, I think about Matt when we, back in the day, when we were like, Hey, is the company going to make it? Like, are we going to be able to be successful in this endeavor? And I wearing a yellow hat, I'm like, of course we are. And here's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And we're going to lead ourselves to, if I'm in control of it, we will be successful there. Right. So that action that comes out of optimism um, is incredibly important to say, I have some effect on where we end up. It's good. It's interesting. I just went through a meeting with a company and I just found out I sit on the board of directors and things went, they're selling the company and everything. And I, I was just asked to sell the board of directors as a fit, friend of a, fa- a favor to a friend. And everything in that meeting, all the meetings I've been in, I was like, this is this ain't going nowhere. This is going upside down and backwards. And because I was there just ceremonial for my friend who needed to have somebody from his team on his board, um, I, I just wish I could have had an opinion because we would have saved the company from being sold. But you just sit there and you go, nope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean to be, you know, I, I, everybody in this room is really optimistic. I'm all about optimism, but listen, at the end of the day, the, the, the thing that drives me and I think what should drive any, any business or school is, is the truth, right. is the truth. And the truth is difficult to get to. That's right. And that's why and, I love, it, it, and that's why I Sorry, I just was going to say, that's why I like the discipline of these hats, because it helps you identify all of these different components and make sure that you don't have a blind spot, that you actually are articulating each of these different elements that are going to get you to the truth and the right decision, instead of being like, um, we don't want to talk about feelings. So I'm going to ignore my gut response, which is, this is a terrible idea, or I don't want to be considered a pessimist. So I'm just going to say everything's all going to work out. No, we actually are looking at each of the facets that you want to, when you're making a good decision so that we can get to the right answer at the end of it. I think it's so powerful that, so it comes after the black hat rule and everyone yeah. talking through those things. And now, okay, we've, we've had that time for the critique, but what if, right. what if we have success with this? And I like the value. So what they say about this black hat, yellow hat is that black hat's we're very good at humans at spotting risk and challenge. We have to get better at at spotting value. So being able to say, yes, if we invest in that, that is going to have a valuable, that could have value. And that's so, and that's so interesting because those two things, those two hats are so polar opposite of each other. And the value proposition is probably 95% of the problem, right? Because it's really easy to whack-a-mo something and say, that, that's not going to work. That's not going right. to work. That's going to work. But okay, but this may work. Yeah, but it's not working now. Well, that's the value because right. if it was working now, whether you buy a building or whatever, if it was working now, there wouldn't be value in it. So exactly. if, if this team can bring it to life, whatever it is, well, then there's value in it. But there's, there's you know, there's risk. Right. And but Bringing out the value is, is really where people get caught up because they can't see it. You can't see value all the time. That's right. People are not very good at being able to spot value, which leads us to the next hat, which is the green hat. Um, and I want you, um, Anthony, I'm going to ask you to talk about your $10,000 martini. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm not driving, so I'm allowed to look at you now. Okay. So the green <laughs> hat is where we talk about possibilities. We're thinking about new ideas we're thinking about how do we overcome some of the risk and the objections that were brought forth in the, in the black hat. Um, they talk about this place when we are in a meeting and we say, okay, everybody put on your green hat. It's called a creative pause, which is, I understand that we're like headed down this track, like we're just going. Um, but I would like for us to just have a creative pause. There's no obvious reason here that we should consider all of the alternatives, but I want for us to. And this is the place where 
creativity, um, new ideas are born and also old ideas that then you're gonna innovate or apply in a different way. This green hat is where we're like, okay, let's just imagine, let's just be super creative and think about how we can address some of the risks that came out um, of this black hat. So will you explain to everybody the $10,000 martini? You know what, first I gotta tell you of everything I've done in my career to explain the example, like to, to, to um, back up your, your, what you're saying, you couldn't have picked a better example in my career. I mean, I've done a lot of things in my career, like <laughs> because it had everything. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you the background and then I'll tell you about the martini. So I was uh, renovating, uh, repositioning the Algonquin Hotel 30 years. It hasn't done anything. Um, even back in the day when it was something, it was like kind of a discounted hotel for theater uh, actors. And it just was never a first class hotel that people thought about uh, unless you were a writer. So I was brought in after a year of dragging my feet because I didn't want to go. But, you know, at some point they pay you enough money, you start to go. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so I'll go. You know, after we got rid of the cat, the cat urine smell in the lobby in the palm trees, uh, I was like, all right, let, we, we need to gut this hotel. So we renovated only $3 million renovation for a 177 room hotel. Not a big deal. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless in the grand scheme of renovations, Pierre's renovating their banquet room and their banquet room is going to cost $10 million. So for a whole hotel, $3 million isn't a lot of money. So wow. we're going to renovate it. We're going to close it for 27 days, which was unheard of. The hotel's never closed before. Everybody said I was out of my mind, but that's a whole different way of how I justified myself. But then as we're opening up and we're coming back, I'm petrified. I have no money. I have no marketing budget. My salesperson really isn't great. They're not real big marketing people. And I don't really know anything about PR, but I know PR is inexpensive compared to having a marketing budget and a marketing team. So I hired a PR company and um, long story short, um, I wanted to come up with a big idea. And I was like, I just need one big idea. There was a um, front page of Daily News. There was this frittata that was a thousand dollar frittata uh, at Norma's at Park Meridian, I believe it was. And um, I was like, I want the front page of the newspaper. It's an easy, you know, it, it, it's an easy thing to have a thousand dollar frittata. It doesn't cost them anything to get in the Daily News. I want that. So. I challenged my PR company. Long story short, they had a couple, they, they do crisis management. So there was a crisis in Aruba when, remember when Nat, Natalie Holloway passed away? Yeah. Oh. Was, yeah. Well, my PR company was on that case. So they weren't giving me a lot of attention, which is completely understandable, but they put somebody on it. And then that was all kind of, they, that was behind them. They weren't even on the PR team anymore. And so they're back in New York, my PR person. And about three times they've co they come to meetings and I didn't like the idea. So I fired them. Come back and say, listen, it's not working. I'm going in a different direction. Third time they called me up and they say, Carla called me up and said, listen, I love the old golf. It's not even about the money. I just can't lose this account. I love this hotel. I said, okay, come to the hotel. Try again. Come to the hotel. They sit at, they sit at, they're sitting at the stable with my team, with me. And I said, all right, you got 10 minutes to go. And she's like, I don't work this way. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You came back, you asked for, 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 for to come back into our, you know, our hotel. I'm giving you 10 minutes. I got no patience. I'm done. So you got 10 minutes. If you haven't figured it out before you got here, then I got a really big problem. Yeah. She goes, she's an, she's an Italian from New York, tall lady. She, she gets up. She goes, I don't work this way. I said, where's the bathroom? This is after I fired her three times. So, so she goes downstairs. This is a true story. She goes downstairs to the, bathroom and as you're walking out of the Algonquin lobby there's stairs going down to the bathroom in between the blue room which is a bar and the lobby of the Algonquin so she as she comes up she looks around she goes you guys are famous for the martini I said yep she said you're famous for engagements too right I said yeah people get engaged all the time she goes how about we get a thousand dollar martini it's on the menu you have an in-house jeweler I said I don't have an in-house jeweler she goes we'll get one in Rockefeller Center people go to Rockville Center. We'll, we'll, we'll work with a jeweler. It's no big deal. I said, yeah. The thousand, yeah. I said, sit down. She looked at me like, don't tell me what to do. I said, please sit down. She sits down. I said, everybody get up. Everybody gets up. Like, so 
we're giving her a standing ovation. Give her a standing ovation. I said, you just turned around the Algonquin Hotel. She goes, Anthony, you're over, you're, 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 you're exaggerating. I said, no, you just did it. She goes, why? I said, I don't know, but you just <laughs> did it. And this is, this is the thing that, and then I called the owner and I said, listen, I need a couple thousand dollars. I got to get crystal. I got to get whatever. And uh, she, he said, you're thinking too small. It's the $10,000 martini. So the owner, Jimmy Miller out in Colorado, I called him up and a guy who I wouldn't think would come up with a creative idea, came up with the idea with the $10,000 martini. And my point being, and I think the, it backs up your example is it was inexpensive. So I wasn't fearful if it would fail. If it failed, what do I have to lose? Because I have no plan. So if I don't fail, if I fail, yeah, I was going to fail anyway. Um, three, it didn't have to be my idea. Four, I, I was there cheerleaders. Like, no, no, this is going to work. We just got to execute it perfectly. Yeah. To this day, it is the number one PR marketing event from any individual hotel in the history of hospitality. So to put that in perspective, we won called the Plum Award, best in show. The best. So in the hospitality industry, there's marketing awards. Disney World wins them, Royal Caribbean wins them. But independent hotels never win them. We won them. And to give you the example, the year before, the company that won it was for what happens if Vegas stays in Vegas. The, oh Las Vegas the Las Vegas Convention Bureau won it. We won the same exact award for that concept. Wow. wow, that is amazing. Well, I love that story because yeah. it is where we're just saying like, well, what could we do, right? Like, what? let's, let's take a creative pause right here. We got to figure out a good idea. Um, but I also like what you said, Anthony, about like, I wasn't afraid. We have so many conversations about how fear harms creativity. And when someone like holds a gun to your head and is like, Hey, you better think of a great idea. You know, you're like, Oh, okay. That's kind of makes me nervous. This idea though, that we, we can't force somebody to think of something genius, but we can hold space and time for them to try to think of something creative, right? Try to right. come up with that solution. And right. I and yeah, that. You, know what, and you, you know what it was, which, for, for my opinion, what was happening was they walk in, they give people ideas, they go, oh, let's try that. I'm not that guy. I have to feel one, it's not going to cost so much money where I'm going to lose money for the hotel, number one. No, number one priority. I can't lose a lot of money for the hotel. Number two, um, what do we have to lose if we don't try it? Yeah. And three, what do we have to gain if we do try it? And I will tell you, that marketing idea turned around the Algonquin. We bought it for $43 million. They hired me. They couldn't sell it. They had it for like two years. They couldn't sell it for even the $43 million they bought it. After we had it for 18 months, they sold it for $73 million. And that marketing idea was a big part of that. Yeah. And I love how you just did the rundown because that's exactly like, what is the risk? What is the reward? What are we going to do? And then here's the outcome. Exactly to your point that that's about a value, like, trying to figure out what is the value to this and you feel it you feel it once you do that process you you feel like I've, I've had this many times i'm actually going through it right now with a project that it's like this is going to work yeah. because i obsessed about every angle right. it not working or whatever so this is going to work and it's like i feel so like i felt so empowered because it hit whatever computer we have it hit all this, it hit everything in my computer saying, yep, done, 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 done. Yeah. Yep, it's going to be a rock star, done. It's not like we're going to hit the lottery and we're just going to pick random numbers. Right. I knew we were going to hit the lottery because I had the numbers. Right, exactly. Because I had your the brain did, numbers. Yeah, because your brain did all the calculations. You're like, I'm sure. I'm sure. Right. I love that. So um, if we're thinking about specifically schools applying this to non-registered students, just remember We've done this with schools before where we all get in the room and we're like, hey, we need to register our students. We want them to come back. I know you feel overwhelmed. Here's all the reasons why that's not your problem and it's not going to work and it's a tragedy and whatever you have to say about it. Um, but being creative. So I think I, I told you it's in one of our conversations, Matt and I were with the school and they were like, our students don't know where their advisors are. That's why they're not registered. And we're like, okay, well, let's just imagine what we could do. You have this big gathering um, every week. How about if we set up kiosks outside and everybody comes and gets registered? And that's the place where you have that creative solve it, problem solving because we have 
the facts and the feelings and the optimistic and pessimistic and then the creative ideas to be able to solve that. So I would just challenge you. That is a really huge place um, that you want to be spending your time. And I love this book. I think it will really help you as you're thinking um, through that process. Tell me the name of it. I want to get that book. Yeah, it's called The Six, <laughs> Six Thinking Hacks of Edward de Bono. I think I think that I think that book and based what you just said, honestly, I'm going to use that book in everything I do, like because that I never really thought that way. And my brain kind of thinks that way after 35 years of doing this and dealing with all the insecurities and situations I've dealt with. You know, you're exhausted. So you like so now I think that way. But it took me 35 years to think that way. And I couldn't explain the way I think. And that you picked the one thing of all my career that really explains the moment I've learned basically the hats was kind of through that marketing process. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's a, I think you'll really like that book. I didn't spend any time on this, but they have in the beginning, the efficiency increases from teams that use this process, because instead of everybody just arguing about whatever, there's this very disciplined way that we're, we're, we're marching through it. So I think you'll really like it. So, Anthony. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, so good to spend time with you. Oh, well, thank you. I I am very, very apologetic that I was a few minutes late. Um, And, uh, you know, it won't happen again. So please don't don't write me up. No, I I think some some of our best shows are when you're in the car. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, apparently. But I tell you, Rachel, you guys are just freaking so dynamic. I say it every show, but you're so dynamic. I look forward (laughs) to this because I learn something every time. You teach me something every time. And you always ask me the right (laughs) questions to basically underline. Like, you know what? You pay attention and and no one pays attention to me. So thank you. (laughs) You're paying attention. Like when you watch the show, you're really paying attention to it. And I really, truly appreciate it. I admire both of you. And um, like I said, I'm going to be wearing the, um, I'm going to be wearing the, um, white, the, 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 I'm going to be reading that book. I think it's a really important book. Okay. Sounds good. Good to spend time with you, friends. Bye, friends. All right. <laughs> See you soon, my friends. Be careful. Travel right. safely. Okay. We'll do it. See ya. Bye. Um, for everybody else, don't forget that we're doing our Bridging the Gap conference together uh, next month. So please join us for that. We're going to be talking about the effect of COVID on higher education. We're going to be talking about addressing equity gaps and retention and graduation, um, building a successful student success, uh, sorry, yeah, success team, coaching team. So if you are thinking about having um, student coaches on your campus, don't you don't want to miss that. Um, I have some great speakers who are going to talk about bridging the gap between academics and the student development side of the house and how they've been able to do that really successfully, um, building faculty buy-in. We just have a whole list of things that we're going to talk about. I think it's going to be really robust. I'm excited. Um, we're also going to be talking about some of the new features in our software. And um, so it's going to be a great conference. Please join us. That's going to be virtually um, it's, we're talking about it in terms of a professional development conference. So you will learn a lot and there's a lot of really robust thinking there. Um, thank you guys so much for spending time with us. Uh, we are going to another campus tomorrow. So that will be really nice. And then we will be back of course next week for our next episode of Cap and Gown. If you guys have things that you want us to talk about or, um, guests that you would like for us to have on the show, we'd love to hear more about that and get this book because it's going to make you more efficient. It's going to help you solve problems in a really organized way. Um, and I think it will really change the dynamics of committee and, and meeting work. So thanks for spending time with us. Have a great day.